for me to get bullish, I really want to see the market get back above the 50-day moving average, but really get above yesterday's high. And if it's sideways in Chop City like it is right now, then hey, we can take a break and then revisit if things go up or go down. Be in harmony, be aligned with the broader trend. You're listening to Last Week in the Market, the podcast for self-guided independent traders. Hey everybody, I'm Sean Vincent. I'm the voice of Last Week in the Market. Soon we'll be joined by Adam Sarhan. He is the brains behind Last Week in the Market. This podcast is designed to help self-guided, independent investors understand Adam Sarhan's AMT investment strategy. Last week was a confusing time in the market for AMT investors. Adam Sarhan called it Chop City. The market is confused. It doesn't know if it's going to go up or down. It's a time for AMT investors to be in a position of cash. It's a time for them to be patient. But more importantly, it's a time for them to be on the lookout for leading stocks that are poised to break out if this current pullback we're in happens to flip over and turn into a new market rally. But before we get to all of that, remember that in the market, the past does not predict the future. No results are typical and there is inherent risk when trading in the market. This podcast is for educational purposes and does not constitute financial advice. It's the week of August 28th, 2023, and here's what happened last week in the market. For the leading indices, the 50-day moving average switched from being support to being resistance. Adam will explain what that means and why it's important. Thursday saw a big negative reversal after a weak follow-through day on Wednesday. It's a bearish sign, but that could change at any time. So now's the time to curate your watch lists and stay vigilant. Adam is waiting for the QQQ to break its 50-day moving averages and last week's high before it gets into new positions. Until then, Adam says, defense is king. I was looking at all the the indices, right? And if you were looking at them on a weekly chart, yep. it, it was sort of a, a break-even week for, for most of them. But if you switch over to a daily chart, then we had this wild roller coaster this week. And you know that we sunk below the 50-day moving average and that the 50-day moving average went from a, a, a floor of support to a ceiling of resistance. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so typically in healthy uptrends, you see the market rally. It makes a few things happen. It goes from the lower left to the upper right. That's number one. Number two, it makes a series of higher highs and then higher lows. So if you look at the S&P 500, for example, this year, it started off at 37.64. The next low, that was in January or December, January-ish. The next low was in March at 38.08. The next low was at 40.48. And then the next low after that was the recent low from just this, this month or you know, a, week and a week ago was 43.35. So it's steadily making higher lows. And then you also made higher highs as well. What happens, Sean, in the healthy uptrend, the 50-day moving average is ascending. It's moving up. What the 50-day is that people aren't aware, it's just the closing price over the last 50 days. You take the average of that. So it's a line. It smooths out the price action. And in healthy environments, the market's going from lower left to upper right. It would it pulls back because stocks pull back. The market pulls back. And then it bounces off of the 50. 
And it could do that several times throughout the year. And sometimes it breaks a 50 and that's okay. In uptrends, you've seen that happen. Like in 2017, it was a very strong year. The market pulled back into the 50 several times. 2013, exceptionally strong year, market pulled back several times and same with other years as well. So, and if we could break the 50 for a few days or a week or change, the key is to, is that in healthy environments, it's the floor, it's support. And then the opposite is true in unhealthy environments, meaning that you're going from the upper left to the lower right. You're making a series of lower highs and lower lows. And the 50-day moving average, the market rallies into it, hits it, or break, breaks above it by just a little bit and then rolls right over, makes a new low, and then rallies again into it, hits it, becomes resistance, a wall, and then makes it falls and then makes a new low and so on and so forth. So this week was a really volatile week on Wall Street because, like we mentioned last week, the market was due to bounce, and lo and behold, the market bounced almost perfectly. Then you had NVIDIA report earnings after Wednesday's close, and it was a blowaway quarter. Earnings were up for NVIDIA 429% in the same quarter this year versus the same quarter last year. So the quarter ending July 31st, the company earned $2.70. Last year, they earned $0.51. Cents. That is explosive, explosive earnings growth. Meanwhile, revenue or sales ex- doubled, exploded by over, you know just about 100%. So typically what happens is you see big breakaway gaps. The stock would gap up and keep running. And that's what happened last time NVIDIA reported numbers back in May. And that sparked a very big rally on Wall Street. This time around, it opened higher and then closed in the lower half of the range, which was not a good sign. The NASDAQ and the S&P both hit a wall near their 50-day moving averages and then fell hard yesterday on Thursday. So today's Friday, they bounced a little bit because you had some a good reaction to what Jay Powell said, which is the head of the Federal Reserve out in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Every year that in August, they have a you know a central sure. bank and, symposium. And as Chat GTP says, a important man said things about money. So phenomenal i'm I'm glad you're reading the reports let's put it that way so for the listeners that aren't familiar is this morning every morning i put out an early morning report my thoughts on the day five things i'm watching or what have you and then i there's this like really in-depth super detailed mumbo jumbo of what they're expecting with all this crazy jargon and yada 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 and yes, I just yada, yada, yada that for the listeners, you know, and for Sean, since we're all Seinfeld, big Seinfeld fans here. And what happened was I put it into ChatGPT and I instructed ChatGPT to explain this paragraph like a five, to a five-year-old. So Jay Powell, who's the head of the Federal Reserve, they just made it say, okay, he's really an important man. And he's dealing with, you know, money and that kind of stuff. It simplified it. And that's what Sean's referencing. So... NVIDIA, the reason why I was speaking about them is they're the poster child for this whole AI boom, the chat GPT boom. And that's why their stock was so important with their earnings, because last time in May, it just ignited a massive rally. This time it didn't. And they're a leader. You're always looking for leading stocks and NVIDIA has been a big leader. Big time. It's one of the strongest stocks of the year and it's a leader in the AI space. And interestingly enough, if you look at the gold rush from the 1800s, you know, out west and the people that really got rich, I mean, generational wealth, were the people selling, actually Levi's, you know, the Levi's, the jeans, the origin story of of Levi's was he was a guy out there. And I think it was San Francisco at the time or out west 
and there was a gold rush and he noticed just so many people coming out there and they would get on their hands and knees and they would mine for gold and their clothes would get ripped up because back then they didn't have malls and all that fun stuff and they needed good jeans. So he sold them jeans and now Levi's is just, it's stood the test of time. Now the individual gold miner that made a bunch of money or had a big fine, you know, that's one thing, but the ones that really, really got rich during the gold rush were the ones selling the picks and the shovels or selling the jeans. In this case, NVIDIA is the one doing that. They make the chips that all just about all the major AI platforms use. So Tesla just came out a few weeks ago, said, we'll buy unlimited amount of chips. Saudi Arabia said, we'll buy unlimited amount of chips. Give us all the chips you can get. And same with several other very, very big wealthy buyers. So demand for those NVIDIA chips were re- are really, really strong. And that's why NVIDIA is in play. And it is a leading stock. Nice. So, um, but they... they have a little spike on earnings, but then didn't maintain an increase in their stock price. They finished in the the bottom half of their range, which is, uh, since they're one of the market leaders, that's a bearish sign, right? I'm going to give you a standing ovation on that one, Sean. Yeah, 100%. Subtle, but very important sign, a clue. Because they give it like a game of tug of war. Talk about five-year-olds, right? Kids play tug of war, or they used to at least when we were kids. So the bulls are on one side. They want the market to go up. The bears are on the other side. They want the market to go down. And it's a game of tug of war on a daily, on intraday, on a weekly time frame, on a monthly time frame, annual time frame, a quarterly time frame, what have you. And a subtle but important sign, not always, but is to see where the market opens and then compare it to where it closes. So if you get a strong open, like what happened on Thursday, and then a very weak close, that's a subtle but important sign that near term, it looks like the uh, bears have won that day. Now, when you get a very weak open, but a strong close, that shows you that it's a bullish sign because anyone that wanted to sell sold, and then you had overwhelming buyers show up and then send the market higher that day. So the same thing works on a weekly and a monthly. And it's really, it's a a good secondary sign, not a primary sign, but it works really well over time. Not every single reversal leads to a big downtrend, a negative reversal like yesterday, but for the vast majority, the big downtrends usually start with big negative reversals and vice versa. But in this case, we've just seen a pullback and then we thought perhaps we'd seen a bounce and we wanted to see, is that going to move into a new rally? Or is it going to be a, a little bounce and then we go back down into this this pullback? And I think there was some hope earlier in the week. Maybe this will be a new rally, but that fell apart. We saw some things go downhill, and now it seems to add more evidence to we're going to be in a little bit of a bearish period here. Yeah, 100%. You're spot on. A few thoughts. Number one. If we take out Friday's low from last week, which you can just look at, I'll give you the exact date. It was the 18th of August. And the low there in the NASDAQ 100, the QQQ, was 354.71. So just round numbers, rounded down to 354. You can look at the SPY, which is the S&P 500, and that low was 433.01. So if we take out August's low, it happens to correspond with the low in the month, because on a monthly chart, you could see it also. Then odds are we're going to test a 200-day moving average, which is much lower. If we don't, and that level is defended, which the bulls did a very good job today of defending, by the way, then you can see a situation where, oh, okay, this can actually go higher. For me to get bullish, I really want to see the market 
get back above the 50-day moving average, but really get above yesterday's high. And that high is the 24th of August. So you can just look at the index that you want to look at and you can see it. I'll look at the QQQ because we could trade that and it's a leading index. That's 372.74. If we're able to close above 372.74, to me, that's going to be an all clear that we're going higher. And I'll get a lot more aggressive and I'll play offense much, 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 you know, I'll get, I'll get very aggressive on the long side because this will be a, just a very steep and ugly pullback within odds are within a longer term uptrend. And then odds are if we close above 372.74, or let's just round it up to 373, then we're going to take out the high from back in July of 387 and ultimately take out the high from last year and late 2021, actually, of 408. So it's a game of tug of war. We're not out of the woods yet. On a daily chart, it was very good to see the market reverse and close higher today. We did it on heavier volume than yesterday, which is a good sign the institutions are in there buying. On a monthly chart, we're still down near the lows for the month. Next week is going to be the last week of the month. And next Friday is the 1st of September. So then we have Labor Day weekend. So the monthly chart is going to end next week. The month is going to end next week on Thursday. So that's important to keep in mind as well. If we get a strong rally next week, then the monthly chart, you're going to get a close in the middle of the bar or maybe even the upper half of the bar, depending how strong the rally is. And that could completely change the monthly print. You know, where the market closes on Thursday will determine the monthly bar. And that's really important because that'll set the stage for the next, the rest of the year, the second half of the year or the last quarter of the year and September. So you're in that game now of, okay, we can easily roll over and fall, but if the August lows are defended, which is 354.71 in the NASDAQ 100, and we can get above 373, then I'm going to get very, very bullish. You know, so I'm imagining a, a relative newcomer to watching the market and, and this type of training, trading, and a lot of what you just said would make their head spin. But to simplify it, there's something that you always say, Adam, and that is the market is speaking. Are you listening? And the the M in your amped trading strategy is market conditions. And so you just described uh, a very complicated set of market conditions for a market that's in sort of a confluence right now. I spent time on a sailboat and it's like being in a, a confused current while you're expecting like a wind shift near the, the end of the day when the sun's going down and the wind's about to shift and you know something's happening, but you don't know exactly which direction it's going to go. But if you know the ocean and if you watch the clouds and you know you have a sense for the quality of those things, then you can you can anticipate some changes before perhaps the the masses recognize that they're happening. And so am I right in that, that that as a veteran market watcher, things are confused right now and you're watching for indications about which way is it going to go? Thank you for for simplifying. I try my best to simplify, Sean, but I end up getting lost in the weeds often at times and more often than I want because it's just a lingo, right? And I thank you kindly for translating into simple English. And yes, the market's confused. It doesn't know what it's going to do next. It's either, it's binary. Either we break down and have another leg down, and you'll know that if the mark, if the NASDAQ breaks below 354, and then if we break out to the upside and go up, 
it'll break above 373. That's all you have to follow. And until then, it's just choppy, 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 choppy. Yeah. And there's something else in all those explanations that you're giving me that, that stood out because one of the fundamental lessons and tools for self-guided independent traders is the idea of looking at the market in different time frames, right? And so when you're talking about market conditions, and I know you had a guest, your subscribers got treated to uh, a guest live presentation the other day, and he was talking about analysis over different time frames and, and the benefit of looking at the market uh, from a, a daily perspective, a monthly perspective, a weekly perspective, and then even like a half hour perspective. And if you're giving me that description. Uh, you're saying that the, the weekly chart gives you one story about right now. But we're about to close out August. That's going to give us another story. And then the daily charts from this week tell us another story yet. And if you're a veteran market watcher, you can put those three perspectives together and get a better sense of the quality of the market right now. Got it. Yeah, it, you're right on the money. So oftentimes, Sean, even if you break above, let's say, 373 in the NASDAQ 100, that doesn't mean it's all clear. Things reverse. Yesterday, you broke above the 50-day moving average in the morning, and by the close, it, it was huge, big, huge reversal. Last week, on was it maybe the week before when we did this a few weeks ago, we spoke Friday morning, and by Friday afternoon, it was a complete different story. So yeah, it's very well said. If you see the dark clouds coming, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to rain. But odds are it's going to rain. So you got to prepare and, and take notice and adjust your sales so you don't get caught off guard and, and flipped upside down and so on and so forth. And part of what we do here on a weekly basis, Sean, is just make do our best to focus on the leaders. That's our mission. Focus on the leading stocks, the strongest stocks in the market because they lift the market up or they'll drag the market down, A. And then B, which is really important, is just be in harmony, be aligned with the broader trend. If the trend is up, we want to be positioned up. If it's down, we want to position down. And if it's sideways in Chop City like it is right now, then, hey, we can take a break and then revisit if things go up or go down. But we don't have to get caught in this sloppy back and forth, back and forth type of a thing. And I know your position right now is cash. I know you have a couple of things that are still in play, but for the most part, you're out of your positions, you're in cash. And you're waiting for opportunities. And I know that the subscribers of Fine Leading Stocks this week saw some more, uh, uh, you call it candy sometimes, that you put in stocks that you're watching, leaders that are performing pretty well that are, the term you use is buyable, right? Because you're not making any representations that you know it's going to happen there. But if, and tell me if I'm right here, but I feel like when you're when we're in this chop, that's when we're extra vigilant watching for opportunity so that when we see it move, that we've been watching stocks that we like that have uh, are more likely than not to have some positive movement. And when the market conditions change, if we're paying attention just a little bit ahead of everyone else, then we're in a position to execute our strategy, get into some of those positions and see where we go. 100% better than money, Sean. So thank you for that. They're called actionable ideas or viable ideas. You know, my job is to help people filter out the noise and focus on the strongest of the strong, the creme de la creme, the leaders of the pack, so to speak, and then to tell them when to buy them, not just to 
say, okay, these are strong stocks and just go buy them nilly willy. No, there's, there's a time and place to be buying them and have risk in place in case they don't work out because not every leading stock stays a leader forever. In fact, most of them end up not leading and they're replaced with a new batch of leaders. So that's big. And the second part to your point about being engaged and doubling down when the market pulls back is critical because people are programmed to seek pleasure and avoid pain. When the market's pulling back and people are losing money or it's choppy, people experience pain and they look away from the market. Yet the best time to be engaged and to buy is the beginning of a new uptrend, the end of that pullback. Most people, by just default, the way people are wired, look away from the market because it's too painful to keep watching it and keep track of the leaders and doing the work and so on and so forth. It's much easier to look away and look at some other shiny object that's not giving them pain. And then they look, they miss it. After the big move up that happens after just about every pullback, guess what? Then they start buying. Oh, look, the market shot up. And then what happens? You get another pullback and then they get whacked twice. So for me, I do this every single, I've done this every week, Sean, since 2004, where I write about the market on the weekends I cover them, look at the leaders, do my whole process. I've got my routine. Even on my honeymoon, I was doing this. So I, uh, you know, for a brief amount of time, but it's, it's a labor of love. To me, it's an intellectual pursuit. It's the challenge. It's the puzzle side of it. I don't, you know, sit here and play Sudoku or anything. Nothing's wrong with that stuff. It's just not, that doesn't get me. What gets me, what scratches that intellectual itch for me is this. And it's always something new. It's fascinating. It's a challenge. It's me against the biggest, smartest, wealthiest people in the world. And I've got one job and that's to make sure I can navigate the market with a proper risk to reward kind of fashion every single week. And then ultimately to make money navigating that, that terrain because you can buy the market and stay fully invested. I've been doing this since the 90s. I've lived through the dot-com bust where the NASDAQ went down 80%. The average stock went down more, if not went to zero. I saw Enron, I saw WorldCom, I saw the 2008 meltdown. I've seen people with retirement accounts go from two or three million dollars down to two or three hundred thousand, and they never recovered. And to me, you know, no, no, thank you. I want to do whatever I can to make sure that does not happen. And that's why the D stands for Defense First. Absolutely, the AMP investment system. Yeah, is advanced entry points is a buy early before the crowd. M is market conditions, make, align yourself with the market, be long in a bull market, be bear, you know, short in a bear market. P is psychological analysis. There's a whole book on that. And thank you, Sean, for bringing that to life. It was number one on Amazon for two straight months every single day. I'm very happy and proud about that. And then D is defense first. Always, 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 always respect risk, folks, because this business, we're not buying and selling stocks. We're buying and selling risk. Somebody in my smart money circle told me that, or the show, you can go to smartmoneycircle.com and listen all for free or type in YouTube smart money circle. And one of the big money managers, I think he managed several billion dollars. He goes, Adam, we're not buying and selling stocks. He goes, so what are we doing? He's like, we're buying and selling risk. So my friend Andy's got a good line, Sean. He goes, you got to risk it for the biscuit. So if you want to make some money in this business, you've got to risk it for the biscuit. And that's that. And right now it's a, it's a defensive position until the market conditions uh, align and we start seeing the bulls in charge and we find some opportunities that we're comfortable with. Yeah, which literally could happen at any moment in time. I'm doing, I 
in the process of the weekend report, I've already found four or five stocks that are just, that literally broke out today on Friday that are all setting up beautifully and that are going to be featured. Behind that, I've got another 15 to 20 stocks that look really, really, really strong. And what am I looking for when market pulls back? I'm looking for the stocks that don't pull back because by definition, those are the ones that are leading. And there's just a, and it, to me, it's just, it's a labor of love, a labor of joy. It's like cavemen back in the day were hunting and gathering. You know, I'm not doing that. I'm lucky if I could tie my shoes from a physical standpoint, you know, if like sitting there, you know, with a dagger or any of that kind of stuff, hunting antelope or whatever. This to me is my hunting and gathering. And it's just such a satisfaction. It, it's the greatest joy, intellectual pursuit that I can possibly, that I've been able to discover so far in my life. And that's why I recommend everybody to, that has interest in doing this to scratch that itch because it's a phenomenally rewarding. It's, it's changed my life. It set me free financially, emotionally, spiritually, all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's phenomenally rewarding. It's not easy, but it's, it's simple, but not easy. Just like losing weight, calories in versus calories out. But most people are overweight. Why? It's simple. It's just not easy. Same thing here. If you're willing to do the work, you get the result. Hamburgers taste good, Adam. You know it. Cookies taste good. They all taste, taste good. good. <laughs> we love it. Well, I've been enjoying these chats, and I find myself armed with your insight. I've found it fascinating to watch the market over the next week and have some understanding of what's happening and why it's relevant. And I end up looking really forward to our Friday afternoon conversations. Yeah, me too. So I, thanks for that. I love it. My pleasure. Nobody was there for me when I got started. That's why I'm passionate about helping others and doing this because I know firsthand how we can change. And I could see it too in your eyes how you began. We've known each other for years now where there was very little interest. And now, I mean, you're 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 in it and you know what's going on and you know so on and so forth so I, I i love that growth i'm very proud of you from a growth standpoint from a personal and, and also professional level just the interest there and now you've got a grasp on it whereas before it wasn't clear in your mind's eye but now you see it and the ability to see it is just that's makes me very happy so thank you all right, my friends, that's the podcast for today. Thanks for listening through to the end. Adam's already published his weekend report. He's found a lot of stocks that are showing technical signs that they're likely to break out should the market conditions favor the bulls. We'll talk at you again next week. Until then, keep your losses small and let your winners fly. So if you want to make some money in this business, you've got to risk it for the biscuit.